This is EdTech Weekly. I'm your host, Ricky Zager, and this is episode 75. In tonight's show, resources to help find EdTech tools, five impactful trends in EdTech, struggles with AI and data, and how parents want schools to communicate with them. Now, Christy was joining me, but we had some internet connection issues and we could not get her audio working properly tonight. So uh, we'll just have her join us next week. And she just happened to be in a different location and the Wi-Fi was not doing so good. So she will be back. She does have her notes that she put in the show notes. So I will read them um, so that her awesome opinions can get to you guys. Uh, the big news, of course, stickers are in and I'm in the process of sending them out. We've already had a few people claiming them. Um, I happened to be sick last weekend, and then Monday and Tuesday I even was off work being sick, and my son was sick. So uh, we got a little derailed with the sending, but they're here. And if you have reached out on Twitter and or emailed the show, you will be getting your stickers. Remember, edtechweekly uh, at gmail.com is going to get you a way to get those stickers. We just ask that you give us a review on iTunes. just helps people find us. And since Christy isn't here, um, let's go ahead and just begin with the EdTech News Rundown. In our first story, EdSurge has come out with a list of resources to help you find the EdTech tools you need. There's little doubt that choosing the right EdTech solution for your class, school, or district is becoming more complex. Uh, Yeah, a lot more complex. They include a link to their free product index that includes over 2,300 EdTech tools, as well as other links that may be helpful for you as you choose the right tools for the job. One of the more interesting things I learned as I checked out these tools is how varying the cost of EdTech can be. The same tools can cost as much as 40% more per student, depending on the district. Now, uh, the the info definitely supports the idea of more sharing of what people are paying for EdTech is good so that we don't overpay for tools. And I found this kind of shocking. I mean, I was working in a big district, and I guess the, the odds are that we were probably getting better deals than most because it was such a big district. Um, but it was shocking to me. And, and Christy's thoughts were that she actually didn't find it that shocking. She said, coming from a small rural district, she regularly sees that pricing difference in products on a per-student ratio Her example is that one vendor, which she's not going to mention by name, had school minimums. So the minimums are so high that they didn't even have uh, that many students in their school. She said she's gone around and around with some of the vendors and that vendor in particular, but they're just not willing to budge. Um, She said, I guess we could not do business with them, but it is one that our teachers use and it's important to students, so we pay it. Um, You know, so on a per student ratio, it's much higher cost than a larger school. Uh, but again, for them to utilize those student licenses, and they can't even utilize all of them that they have to pay for in order to get the per student ratio right. So, you know, again, this is one of those things where I get it on some level because they do have to have the infrastructure in some ways, depending on what your internet is and how they are going to access it and all that. But generally speaking, you know, our smaller schools need to get better deals. And uh, it's not really fair to compete with larger school districts on a per student basis if they're going to be up a lot higher, up to 40% higher. So that's kind of a bummer. All right, our next story. The next web brings us five impactful ed tech trends in 2017. Now, those of you who've been with the show for a while know how much I love these five best top 10 things. And Matt, 
And maybe Matt didn't like him so much, those of you who've been listening for a while. Now, while EdTech is an ever-growing and changing industry, there are definitely some overall trends to be watching and evaluating. And the five that they mention as the most impactful are virtual reality, the ability to study on mobile devices, gamification, that word bothers me sometimes, the increasing online education sites that are available, and the maker movement. As far as mobile learning, not everyone has a computer, but nearly everyone has a mobile device. Uh, making content available on mobile devices is essential to any vendor offering online content. And really, is there a vendor out there that doesn't offer online content? Being able to meet the need of, on demand, anytime, any place learning is key. If a product can't do that, no matter how good, I don't think they have a chance of making it in the ed tech market. So something to look at, you know, again, those in those industry trends, there's always something to keep an eye on. It doesn't mean that you should jump right into one of those or think that it's the end all be all. Uh, for me, gamification can be that, you know, people trying to get some sort of gamification at all costs just because it's a buzzword. Those types of things can be scary and probably shouldn't do them. But keeping an eye on the trends is always good. Our next story, an Inside Higher Ed article, talks about data and the ethical and strategic issues it brings about for institutions. And we've talked a lot about this on our show as we're trying to navigate just how to use all this data that we're collecting and how is it going to affect teachers and students. And this article comes on the heels of an Educause session about data and its use in ed tech. And one of the most interesting things from this article was a perspective that I had previously failed to even consider, honestly. Could AI interfere with a student's ability to be self-sufficient? And we've been focusing a lot on the instructor side of AI and whether teaching jobs could be replaced. And I've kind of been all gung-ho about AI saying, well, we need to use it for students and anything that can make their lives easier and get the information they need. But the idea that AI could create uh, so much spoon feeding possibly that the ability to recognize where students need help may actually be difficult and the way that they can act on it and know how to act on it could actually disappear. So you know, our quest to have students perform better on metrics like standardized tests could certainly help shape IA in a way that's harmful to students. If all we're trying to do is figure out, hey, how can they perform better on standardized tests, using AI to you know get them the right questions and answers and help them do the activities to get them there without them having that extra step of figuring it out on their own could be detrimental. Um, it's pretty interesting. I'm reading a book about uh, how learning works and you know, you don't always think about that when it comes to feedback and when it comes in, but how they learn and whether they struggle sometimes is a huge part of learning and taking that away using AI could be an issue. Um, and let's go to Christy's points on this. You know, she thought a lot of robot, we talk a lot about replacing teachers with robots, but looking into the effects on students bring how bring self-sufficient is very interesting you know, at some point, we all have to learn ways to be around a variety of people and not only what works best for us. So if AI is adapting everything to the preferences and learning styles of each individual learner, you know, she could definitely see that happening. So definitely something to think about with AI. And I'm, you know, maybe I shouldn't be shocked that I hadn't considered that before, but that's a whole nother level with AI that really makes you kind of go, hmm, we need to make sure we're doing this right for our students' sake. In our final story, an EdTech Magazine article explains that today's parents want more digital communication from schools. A survey from Project Tomorrow indicates that teachers want more text and email communication from schools and teachers. A surprising revelation, at least to me in the survey, is that parents don't find Facebook to be effective in communicating with schools. 
But the schools themselves actually believe it to be very effective and they love it. It's probably just because it's easier for them to uh, talk to a mass amount of teachers at once. Now, the survey also indicates four areas parents want to know more about regarding their child's education. One is how to work with teachers to maximize learning. The second one is types of technology and workplace skills their child is actually learning. The third is app recommendations to enhance learning at home. And then the fourth one is other technology recommendations recommendations, sorry, to support learning at home. Um, I think this list puts forth the idea that parents want to be involved in their child's education, uh, much more so than information on the next bake sale or class party, those types of things, which is probably what you'd find on Facebook. Um, it just makes me think about more about the communication with our parents, um, you know, and how we can improve that. And, you know, look, it sounds to me basically that parents want all the info at the time and method that works best for them. And, and that makes sense because I think we all want that. Uh, I know personally at work we talk about emails and how annoying they can be if they're not for you and you're getting them. And we just want communication that would work for us. And, and we all feel that way. So it's definitely something to think about. If you're someone who works on the communications department for a school or university or district, you know, this data could be actually useful. So all these stories, remember, edtechweeklyshow.com, go there, and we have links. Um, and uh, since Christy's not here for our discussion segment, we're going to talk about her experience on assignment. We'll go ahead and push that to next week. And uh, remember, if you want stickers, give us a rating on the show, then shout us out at 4techteachers.com or 4 techteachers at gmail.com for email and at on Twitter at 4techteachers. Shout out and let us know you gave us a review. Go ahead and put your Twitter handle in the review. Um, look, if you email the show or tweet us out, I'm going to send you a sticker. Those of you who already have um, tweeted at us or filled a review out and emailed, the stickers will be sent out very soon. I'm hoping to do it tomorrow. Uh, again, sorry for the delay, but, you know, not feeling well. Sometimes that puts a wrench in things. Remember, also hit the subreddit at edtechweekly.reddit.com. It's just got a, it's a dump for a lot of the stories that we're going to do. And eventually, I'd like you guys to upvote those and contribute and kind of make it a self-sustaining EdTech Weekly or EdTech area to share stories and sources and things that are relevant. So uh, once again, we appreciate you listening to the show, and we will see you next time on EdTech Weekly. Weekly.